is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, London is Blue fans, how's it going? We're back. It's been a while, Jesse. You know, we've been we've been running around for a couple of weeks. You've run around a lot more, a lot further than me. <laughs> I've done a lot of running around. I wasn't even in London for two days. Last minute decision to head up to Leicester. And from Leicester, I went to Milton Keynes because I suddenly got tickets to the game. And then, you know, life just took me places. I happened to meet Emma Hayes casually. Oh, just throw that one the stadium. in. Okay, sure. Yeah, just you know, just that. like whatever. Just, I was literally I was just like, walking. I should have set a timer. How many seconds before in the pod can we get before I've done a mention that you met Emma I Hayes? Mean, listen, I mean, listen, I mean, it's just, it was just one of those, it's the London's Blue Podcast, but don't say out front what's going to happen. I you mean, can't say it here, where can I was you? walking behind. I know exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I was walking behind the stadium going to my bus that was going to take me back to London. I'm walking past. I looked left some lights. And I'm like, I took a double take. I went, is that Emma Hayes? I turned around to Omar. I was like, is that Emma Hayes? Like, That's Emma Hayes. I'm like, oh my God. And I happened to have a copy of the book in my bag for no particular reason. And I took it out and I went, uh, I wrote a book about you and your team. And then she was like, did you get it? She's like, no, I didn't get it. I'm like, well, here it is. Please take it from me. And then just, she took it. And then she told me, wait till you see the new signings that are kind of come up. And I went, whoa, shifty eyes. What happened there? What's going on here? So I don't know. New signings in the, in the making. Let's see what happens. But besides that highlight of the day, um, we're here to talk about the Euro update. We're here to talk about a new signing. Uh, and we're here to talk about everything Chelsea. So, but before we get into any of that, we got to introduce our guest. We have a returning third cap, second cap, third cap. I think this is your third cap, I want to say. I think so too. Third cap, third cap. We have Radha from She Talks Balls back on. To make her third appearance of the of her Dunless Blue career. How are you doing? Hi all, I'm doing very, very well. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. Are you enjoying the Euros, Rada? Oh yeah. And and both of you are flying and you know traveling around places. I can tell you it's equally tiring to just stay up late, to be awake <laughs> for the Euros, but no, always worth it. It's been incredible. I feel you because before when I was watching the group stages at home, kickoff was at 11. I couldn't watch for maybe about 20 minutes. I'm like, I, I can't. I have to go to sleep. I've got like, to wake up in like four hours. But yeah, I, so I, I totally understand you. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it. So the final has been decided. England will face Germany on Sunday at Wembley with five Chelsea players involved. Brian Kirby, Millie Bright, Bethany England and Jess Carter will be there for England. While Anne Katrenberger will be our representative from Germany. I think what we can do is kind of look and start with how these players have performed so far from an England and Germany perspective, and we go into all the other teams. Um, so, you know, for England, obviously, we've really only seen Millie Bright and Fran Kirby really get the minutes in there. Rather, what have you made of Fran this tournament? How has she been? Have you Did you expect this? Or, you know, has she surpassed your expectations? I think you'd always expect Fran to, to make the 11 of a roster she's on and to have an impact when she's on the field. And I think you've definitely seen that. It's also somehow overshadowed because of the kind of performance England have put up and the number of goals flying out um, every 90 minutes. But overall, I think she's got the joint second most goal contributions for the side. So, you know, she might be putting in the dirty work, but she's also getting on the paper, which I guess matters. It doesn't matter. But I think she's got two goals, three assists and has been a crucial factor in every game and Serena has this knack of just not changing don't change what's not broken right so um, Fran has been incredible she 
she is for club and country and that's the reason she's selected whenever she's healthy so um very very glad that um she's not injured not unwell unfortunately a bout of injuries and covid outbreaks happening within uh, all sides and touchwood that you know a lot of our chelsea players have been okay that way yeah no I, I, absolutely and i think um i i think it's 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 nice to see that most of the chelsea players have been good and 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 but we have been you know i think in some places we've been deprived of uh, a couple of world class players but jesse tough challenge for millie bright coming up against alex pop at the weekend what do you think what, how do you think that battle's going to pan out yeah i'm really really looking forward to this one i think i mean i think the final is it is a fantastic final like let's be real i think everyone recognizes that england and germany have been the two best teams in this tournament uh and i think it's going to be really really good fun to see to see them how they match up i genuinely like really can't figure out what i think's going to happen uh and yeah and i think that millie bright versus alex pop battle is going to be potentially one of the most important on the pitch uh Yeah obviously if anyone doesn't know Alex Pop has been banging in the goals uh, she's making up for last time lost time 31 but playing her first year is because she's missed so many because of injury uh, she's scored six so far one in every game and you know she was up against Wendy Renard last night for France just ate her on toast basically but I think I I feel happy saying that I think Millie Bright right now right here right now is a better defender than Wendy Renard and and she's had an exceptional tournament I think she will really be be relishing it. Uh, I was writing today about Pop and the first time I saw Pop was when she came to play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and uh we got back 3-0 back in 2016 and and I remember at the time like just thinking this player is like totally unreal but Millie was playing that day. Uh so you know she's had plenty of experience with Pop. She's had a fair share of uh, losses to Alex Pop and and I think she'll be going into this one looking for some revenge. Yeah, no. I I think it's been I think it's been amazing. Yeah, I I would I would agree that right now in this tournament I think we can arguably say that I think Millie Bright has been probably one of the best central defenders if not the best central defender of the tournament so far uh considering everything that she's 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 the way she's played and I think this is arguably going to be her toughest test and uh excited to see how this how this pans out because uh obviously I think you know as a as a box defender someone who really is is back to goal i uh, say um you know in front of in front of the play in front coming up against these physical and quick strikers uh blocks or deceptions everything has been absolutely crucial and and fantastic you know obviously beth england and ann katchenberger if you still get to get any minutes and i think it's highly doubtful that we'll see either of them uh make an appearance in the final but it's good to see that um you know good to see them around and and, and be part of the part of the squad okay so Can let's have a look at some of the other players who went out of the tournament this week. Um obviously notably, you know, Sweden and France uh, had a couple of uh, players in our contingent. So let's start off with Sweden very quickly. You know, we had Magda Eriksson and Zetir Musevic. You know, Jesse is tough on Ferriksen and I, you know they 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 played well in the first 20 30 minutes uh, but then England inflicted Sweden with uh, a record Euros defeat beating them 4-0. Uh can what did you make of Eriksson's tournament uh, overall? I think it's been a tough one for For Magda, I mean, to be totally honest, I don't think she's felt quite right ever since she came back from that injury. It feels like I don't know if she's not quite fully fit or it's just something in her head, but um, you know, I think she has struggled at points both for Chelsea and in this tournament. But I think also though it hasn't helped her that she's been moved around a lot in this team, which I just I just never think it's ideal, you know, 
when you're playing left back one day, left side of centre back in a three the next day, left side of centre back in a two the day after that, and you know the, this game against England, it was it was a it was a weird one in some ways. Like England were great, but but four nil kind of I don't want to say it flatters them because they deserved it and and they created good opportunities, but like. It, well, I don't think it was, like, a terrible defensive performance from, like, Sweet. I wasn't sat there like, wow, this is, like, Magda's having a, an awful one. I think it was just more that, um, you know, England were riding a wave, basically, I think, maybe. But, yeah, um, a tough one because I feel like Sweden obviously have come so close so many times and... Um, you know, Magda's such an integral part of that team, such a leader within that team. Uh, and so, obviously, I feel like you can kind of tell in, in some of the conversations she had afterwards how much, you know, she takes takes on herself there. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy because defensively, Sweden looked pretty fine. Like, they didn't really come up against any tough attacks. And then and then this happened. So, I feel like mentally that must be really weird for, for a defender to have, to have happen. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. So rather kind of, you know, just that, that post-match interview was just heartbreaking. She's just like, you know, there was just so much, almost like it was like a little bit of regret there. What, what did you make of, what did you make of that? Yeah, so I, I woke up to that YouTube video and I, and I watched it and I was like, well, that's, that's my day. That's going to define my day now. I, I shared it with my sister and she just said, why, why would you do this to me? And I was, I was like, I, I have to share this pain with someone, but it, I mean, the way, the way Jesse's put it, it's just one of, the only way to dis- describe that game was, oh, it's one of those games, or it's, oh, it's one of those days, because no one did really bad, no one did amazingly well, but both teams somehow ended up getting what, you know, was coming for them, and uh, Magda, for at that moment, just after the game, have the presence of mind to still dissect technically and tactically what went wrong is peak Magda, I feel. She, she just went like, you know, 20, 30 minutes in, we should have been two, two goals up. You know, we had one error, two errors, three errors here and there. And usually you just say, oh, I'm sad, like, leave me. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's peak Magda to see the competitive side of her, to see how, how every goal really, really upset her. When the slow motion uh, replays of the goals, you could just see her screaming into the sky, which, um, yeah, look, it's, it, it's Magda. That's, that's how she is. And that's why she's such a good player is because she's so competitive. She's got such a good football mind. But that, that post-match interview and, of course, a couple of social media posts coming up after that really really show you how much this meant to her and the Swedish side. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And I think um, yeah, I think what Jesse said about the movement of, of Magda you know, across the back line in different positions and not really being settled, I, I, you know, I, I think obviously COVID played a massive part in, in, in the way the Swedish team lined up and kind of you know, who was playing where, out of position, you know. Um, who is now an ex-Chelsea player? Jon Anderson also, you know, was was moved around with with COVID and everything as well. So I think that's that's worth mentioning. Um, I mean, moving on to France, our new signing Yves Perisse. Um, Jesse Perisse had a pretty pretty impressive, you know, most of the tournament. Uh, even if they did lose to Germany last night, uh, you know, they lost two one. What have you been overall your feelings of um, of Yves Perisse and 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 what she might. After watching her in a full tournament, what she's really going to bring to 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 Chelsea? What's she going to bring to Chelsea? Penalty taking, clearly, clearly. Um, she obviously scored the winner for France against the Dutch uh, in extra time, and I tweeted. But uh, Emma Hayes obviously loves a right back who takes penalties because Mara Mielda was obviously our main penalty taker before she got injured. But I, she's 
this is even one of my favourite players, I think, to watch this tournament. Um, I was talking about this to a friend today, and in terms of... It's, it's funny, because I guess as a signing, I was like, I don't really know how... Like, it feels like a solid signing, but not an exceptional one, because I was kind of like, okay, like, I've watched her, she seems like good but also she's been at like Bordeaux so is she as good as, as maybe she seems like how does that that really fit it's definitely like wasn't a a bells and whistles signing but I think you've kind of seen at this tournament like this is the the quality that that Perise has like I think she's been outstanding going forward defensively um I thought she had a tough task on her hands last night with Svenja Hoot, who I think has also had a really, really good Euros. But nine times out of ten, she kind of, like, did really well, I think, to, to keep her under wraps. Um, and it's made me really, really excited for next season because I feel like this is a piece that we we knew was missing. And it's great to, like, have that opportunity, I think, just as fans to... When a player's coming in, you don't really know much about them, to then get that time to see them and kind of, kind of get hyped a bit more. Because that, that's definitely, like, the headspace I've ended up in. Um, yeah, because I, I just think she she looks like the real deal, you know? Yeah, 100%. Really, uh, really, really been enjoying her... her, her kind of performances and I think her, her positioning for me is kind of what stood out a lot and she's she's very very good at you know knowing when to go in when to not go in and, and kind of defend against different types of uh, you know wingers but rather how excited are you about the signing the first time we're going to hear you uh, talk about uh, Eve Perisay yeah I'm super excited I also was happy of how the situation turned out because her signing was announced quite early and there's this anticipation building up throughout the summer for everyone who backs Chelsea and wants to see her on the field. And then like an extra time clutch penalty to send your team into the maiden semi-final. Like she seems to be clutch in blue. And like that was my first thought. And I'm mm, like, that's, love a, that. that's, a great, <laughs> that's a great sign for us. So I love that there was this anticipation. Who is she? How does she play? When can we see her first? Okay, Euros. So everyone had eyes on her. And look, as Jesse said, like, Seems like a great deal. Very, very excited to see her in the Chelsea blue. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned it there. That penalty against the Dutch was was pretty was pretty emphatic. Usually, when you see someone going in for a French penalty, it's it's Wendy Renard or you know one of those. But then when when Eve when Eve went up, like, what Eve can take penalties? This is this is. News. I thought I had you know, watched like every like minute of Eve that was like kind of available and I had never seen her. I don't know if I was just looking in the wrong places I'd never seen her take a penalty but we did see, have that chat didn't we when, when she signed and I was like she's really good in front of goal like when she gets into those positions yeah. so you know there we go I guess I mean it's it's weird like Wendy basically said alright if, if Wendy's handing you the ball you're pretty good at penalties because Wendy can take a penalty so if Wendy if Wendy yes yeah, Corinne Diacra is harsh and says Wendy doesn't take penalties if Wendy misses her previous penalty in the tournament you know there's that as well who knows but you know but I think that that kind of brings it around with with the um you know with 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 our Chelsea contingent over there we will just take a quick ad break and we'll be right back all right our next partner has a product that I use literally every day I started taking AG1 because well it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in you know we're all focused on our macros with protein carbs and and fat and now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables it's just hard to eat that many servings a day so uh, i started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient i'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system so what is this stuff well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system 
your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it, it's easy, it's fast, it's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we're back thanks to the sponsors again. Let's kind of continue on our Euro update and let's catch up on some of the players that went out a little bit earlier in the tournament. So Anik went out with the Netherlands in the quarterfinal against France. Rather, it wasn't the easiest tournament for her, you know, but what did you think? Yeah, I think it wasn't the easiest tournament for the Dutch in general. And then within that plot, there was a subplot of Anik's injury and only being able to play about 120 minutes within uh, the, the span of the tournament. So... Um, yeah, I think overall there was just a mismatch and cohesion with the Dutch defense whenever she was, even if she was present or not. So as a whole, when you look from, from a macro perspective, Anik and the Dutch team, um, you know, it felt like there was potential that wasn't reached. But, but for Anik in general, unfortunately, she got the injury when she did and that it hampered her in training and then going forward. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping she's well-rested uh, for the upcoming season. But it, it was nice to see her when she was on the pitch. Those spells were, um, you know, just proof as to why she's a, a really great defender that we put our faith in. Yeah, and, and I think it was good to see her get some, some experience against some really, really good forwards and, and, and play in a major international tournament. It'll only bode well for, for Chelsea coming into the, into the next season. But Marin Mielde and Gura Wrighton went down to the group stages for Norway, which I think we can all agree was pretty disappointing. They lost to Austria in their final group stage match. Jesse, the Norwegian team really didn't cover themselves in glory. Kind of, what happened? What happened there? This is all like such a clusterfuck of a nation. <laughs> um, it was a really poor tournament for them. I don't really feel like I personally would put much blame at the player's door on this one, and, like, the coach has already been sacked, so it just felt like there was no plan, there were lots of players out of position, there was, you know, no real idea of what they were supposed to do off the ball when they got the ball, and, you know, I think Marin, it was a rude return to football for her, unfortunately, and and I think, again, we kind of always knew that it was going to be pretty, like, intense for her to kind of make that step from having played, like, zero minutes for a year to to going into this, you know, kind of 270 minutes. I mean, I think it's good for us that she's kind of proved her fitness over those three games, and... You know, hopefully, but she hasn't necessarily had to overextend herself. So I guess it's quite, you know, a, a nice introduction for us to to kind of get that from her. And then for Guru, I was like, ugh. I was frustrated for all of these Norwegian attackers about... But Guru especially just because I think she's still a player who doesn't kind of get the plaudits that she deserves for what she does. And, you know, I think... There's obviously a lot of Chelsea players who've, who maybe have had fantastic WSL seasons, but because the Champions League stuff didn't go so well, haven't 
had the same view of them over the year. And I think Guru is a great example of that. And I was really thinking, you know, if she could like ball out here at the Euros, like it would be a really like great moment for her. But again, there was just no plan to get to get the ball up to Guru, CGH, Ada. I will say, I think Guru was the best and most active of all, all of their kind of stars. And I think she definitely brought the same kind of energy to the Norway team that we see her bring to Chelsea, which is kind of like the, that like real like never say die attitude, always being willing to get stuck in. And I felt like maybe there were other Norwegian players who didn't maybe have that kind of energy. But yeah, I think it is a tough one because it's a very talented, talented group of players. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. I think um, yeah, I think we can all safely say that the Norwegian team was probably the most disappointing of the of the tournament, you know, uh, overall. And you know, with the level of quality and talent that they have, they they really should have just done better. And um, yeah, the cohesion up front didn't seem like it was there. And then um, you know, you also have um, you also had. Uh, you know, go right and trying trying to do things, and then you know other players. It's like they weren't. It's like nobody was on the same page going forward, which which really was was kind of heartbreaking overall to see such a talented team not really do that well. Um, but you know, Penelope Hart also went out in the group stages with Denmark. Rather, you know, she really tried to hold them through. You know, being the focal point, but you know, and be the one, you know the the one that led to lead them through. But there wasn't really enough in the end, was there? Yeah, you know, I did not follow the Euros very closely in twenty seventeen. I've watched highlights and read up a lot since but I always wonder was was it a golden run did they have or did they have a really good team at like a peak stage of their team and I'm not quite sure if people were expecting that but we realized it's five years ago that that was the case and when they came in here again many factors like them being in one of the tougher groups and the fact that look I, I follow a bunch of other Denmark players as well as really wishing for them to do well but the fact that they could just get like one scrappy goal out of the group stage, which they celebrated like, you know, they've entered the final was was a sign that sometimes at the end of Panilla Hara's pass, you needed another Panilla Hara to receive that with the vision that, you know, she creates and um, put that back of the net. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's also, I mean, it's it's sort of Norway has like too many stars and maybe not a, a cohesive team as we saw, but Denmark maybe has fewer stars. They did have half chances many times and maybe it's, on your day or not on your day to convert those half chances. But for them, they had a, a disappointing tournament. And yeah, of course, Panella would be disappointed as well. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's that's totally fair. And kind of, of course, it wouldn't be the Euros if we didn't do some scouting. So rather, going back to you again, is there anybody you have been watching in this tournament who isn't a Chelsea player, but you really wish they were? And kind of which position and, and, and maybe, you know, give, give me two. Let's give me two positions and two players. Oh, that's super interesting. So... I do think that uh, the current Chelsea team is quite decent in all positions. Um, something, someone that's got my eye and someone who I sort of end up speaking to people about is Diani of France. Um, we've seen her, we've seen her at the big stage very, very often, but just something about the, the way she carries the ball, especially in this tournament since I've been blurry, with blurry vision watching all the matches late at night. Have seen Diani many times. I, I read an interesting fact that every time she scored, France has never lost. And um, that... That that's something that you know always sort of sticks that changed out yesterday. Yeah, so this is, that's the thing, right? So she scored, but it was officially recorded as an. Oh own goal. yeah, it came up across <laughs> his head. Oh my god, Diani was like phoning UEFA, like please let me keep my own goal. Own goal. Own goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, um, so yeah, Diani was uh, definitely up there on the list. Um, someone else, I don't know if there's anybody else on the top of my head. I think there was one Icelandic player, but again, a forward. And I think Chelsea has a decent amount of forwards. Jesse, maybe I'll throw this to you. 
Anyone at the top of your head? Yeah, I think for me, the kind of player... I mean, I feel like Daphne Van Domselaar was obviously a player who like lots of people really enjoyed watching. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of pie in the sky. Anyway, I don't like her anymore because then she said she wants to play for Man City, so... Fuck that one. Um, but she she was obviously, for anyone who, who didn't know, she kind of came into the team, Casario Van Vienna, the Dutch team, Casario Van Vienna, picked up an injury in the first game and she'd had one cap before the Euros and she was incredible. Like, I don't know why, because Sarah Van Vienna is not a good goalkeeper, so I don't know why they were keeping Daphne Van Topslaar because they should be playing her for <laughs> a long, long time. Um, yeah, she really impressed and she almost actually got a hand to Perisay's penalty in, in that game as well. Um, I think... Uh, in terms of other players who've really stood out, I mean, a, a player who I thought was uh, is amazing, and and I'm sure lots of people will also think she's amazing too. But Ona Batia is gonna be the best fullback in the world. I think she's pretty close already. But Spain was so frustrating to watch in this tournament at points. But the way she, you know, shut down Lauren Hemp in that quarterfinal was just like so impressive and. I think, you know, again, that Spanish team is it's a theme in the Euros at the points is, you know, they were really, they've been, it's unfair they're managed by the person they're managed by because of how much talent they are, but Badia is just a player who who, who really shines. Um, but sadly, I, I somehow don't think we're going to see her at a Chelsea start very soon either. Though there were rumours at one point that, that there was a bid made in for, for Anabachev, you know, so, you know, and there's the, they are thinking along the same lines, so, you know, who knows, maybe, but I think, you know, probably Barcelona. I'm, I'm glad times. Chelsea also think on it. I'd be worried if our scouting department didn't think Anabachev was good. <laughs> No, that's that's absolutely fair. I think for me, a couple of players stood out. I think for me, one would be I really, really like um, uh, Laura Farsing of Austria. I think she's just a, f I mean, pun not intended, but pun intended, a firecracker of a player in, in the in the middle of the pitch. Someone who's got this bit of a creativity, bit of bite, and you know, maybe maybe could be someone to replace uh, Jisoo Yoon in that midfield and really come in and 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 add something different to Chelsea. So I, I'd like to see Laura Farsinger. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of, the other one is, I mean, this is probably not going to happen anytime soon, but I, I really liked, um, both, uh, Athenea and, and Olga for Spain. I thought those two played really, really well. Athenea, I mean, we saw what she did to Rachel Daly, you know, kind of turned her inside out multiple times, did it against other teams, such a really good direct winger. Um, and is only, is only 21. So, you know, I'd like to see her and Olga playing as both a fullback and can play as a winger. Uh, really showed, uh, really showed some promise there, uh, and I, I think, I think you know, coming into that England game, Olga coming as a, as the starting left back really did change the way, uh, you know, change the way that Spain played was much better than Leila Khwabi and 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 you know, um, you know, I, I like that. So probably be my two three players, fullback, winger, and 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 you know, uh, center midfield. But yeah, I think I think Firesinger should uh, should definitely move. I mean, it's it's a, it's a required position, so that'd be that'd be nice to to bring in um but yeah other business in the in the world of chelsea a new signing maybe not the big sign that everybody wanted but a signing nonetheless jesse can you give us some details on our new signing of lucy watson from from sheffield united yeah i think this is is one for the future obviously but i think it is, it is really exciting um so lucy watson is a player who Lots of clubs have had their eye on for a very long, long time. She's very, very highly rated, 18 years old, and has 
been kind of attracting a lot of attention since she was about 15, 16, been playing in the Women's Championship for the past two years. Uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, we've kind of worked to snap her, snap her up. She's going straight back out on loan to Lewis, so she'll be in the Championship again next season. Uh, it's convenient for me. I'm hoping I'll get down to, to watch her a couple of times. But yeah, I watched her at the under-19s and, you know, I think it, it can be hard. To, it can be hard to judge a player at that age, but she's she's a real talent. And then lots of people have felt like that for, for a long, long time. Um, uh, I'd really recommend um, Amy Ruskai did a, did a piece about her a couple of years ago, uh, I think, um, where she kind of interviewed Neil Redfern and, and Carla Ward, who are two people who managed her. So I'd really recommend going to read that if, if you want to find out more. But yeah, I mean, look, she scored like, I think, eight goals in, in the championship last season, which for a you know, teenager, I think, it, it, even if it's in the second division, is pretty impressive. So exciting things to come. Very exciting. And also there's a contract for Emma Thompson, uh, another one for the future that's going to go out on loan and, and, and I guess, I guess do, uh, hopefully maybe make the Chelsea first team one day. But kind of rather we've, we've talked about so many young players. We've talked about it before that Chelsea are stacked with young players, some going on loan, some a bit more experienced, like at Lauren James and whatnot. Kind of what, what are you made of all these young players and, and, and kind of who do you think has stood out for you that, you know, I think in the future, you know, she's going to really make a massive impact at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, young players are just proof that your system is working. And, you know, it's proof that what you're set out to do is not just to get the big stars into your nation's, you know, franchise league, but also to get the ball at the feet of youngsters. And, you know, starting from really, really just children playing at the backyard to the age groups and the fact that we're signing people who've played at youth levels for England and are creating impacts at the championship level. Obviously, you know, that's the way to progress upwards. So I, I think it's really, really good to see. And that's something that I would really like to see in my country, for example, or other countries that are developing in football where youngsters come through and you have Emma Hayes, the, the kind of manager who manages like Vanilla Hardo and Sam Kerr's of the world, but also has her eyes on the youngsters, where they are, what they're playing, how they're playing, how they're developing, and when it's the right time to sign them. But you sign them and put them out on loan so that they get crucial time. I mean, it's so complex. And the fact that They've been taken as seriously as a pro athlete who's won World Cups is just the kind of attitude we require for, you know, um, the footballers going forward. So, yeah, it's super, super exciting um, that, you know, Chelsea is doing this. And, of course, I think um, a lot of other clubs will follow suit. Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. And I'm going to ask probably one last question. And I know this might be um, contradictory to the statement I made earlier. But, Jesse, knowing Emma Hayes and, and the way she likes to speak to people, the camera, the media... Do we think you're expecting more signings for real or is she just kind of bluffing and saying, yeah, I've got new signings, but you know, this is it. Do you, do you expect more players to come in or do you think the squad is Whilst set? I would find it very amusing if Emma Hayes was just kind of taking you for a ride, <laughs> I feel like it's still pretty clear that a midfielder needs to come into this squad um, and I would expect that still to happen at some point. Um, I don't like... I don't have I have any like info or anything. I just think it's a, it's a fairly clear gap in the squad, and I don't know if we're kind of waiting for the Euros to wrap up or, or kind of players to get back. You know, we've kind of seen City have this kind of like rush of signings and stuff with with players having been over. Obviously, it's like quite convenient. So, um, as I say, I don't know anything. Uh, I I just think that. That logically is, sure, is surely there's still someone to come in there. Can, can I press you and ask what kind of midfielder you're expecting to come in? 
I feel like we just need someone who can... It, it's probably more the, like, in the Sophie Ingle mold of a midfielder, I think. I think we're fairly, like, well stacked on kind of creative players who can, you know, play centrally and do, do a drop. I mean, hell, we've basically just seen Frank Kirby play as a kind of quasi-eight for, for the Euros, like, very well. So when you add... Fran to Jesse Fleming and, and then Erin as well. Um, yeah. And then obviously you've kind of got Melanie coming back at s some point. So I think for me it is that more like Sophie Ingle position where I'd like... But again, then supposedly Eve can play there too. So and Katarina Svitkova can maybe play there. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like... And I think this is why maybe rather than a specific profile, Chelsea will be looking to sign like a player that they like, because I do think there are lots of options in that midfield. That's fair. And and rather, one last question for you before we wrap this up. Do you think that um, with, I think obviously there are some big contracts, I think up for, up for, yeah, they're going to expire rather at the end of next summer. Do you think Chelsea should start looking at um, replacements now or, you know, or should they sign them now or, or, or you just, you, you, you take the risk and say, all right, we're going to convince some of the big players to, to kind of sign on again and, and, and just kind of let them continue. So we're going to give them a couple of days for Emma to finish reading your book first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once that's done, um, she, she's going to get right back to work. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I, th I think with Chelsea, you know, you, uh, you set precedent for your players to stay back, you don't really go after them, you make them want to stay. And I think that's what, what Emma has always said. You create an environment and you create an atmosphere where players want to stay and players like to win and you end up winning because the good players stay. So it's sort of a circle there. And um, yeah, I would expect, you know, the players to, to stay back after having had a great upcoming season. And those things kind of go hand in hand. I don't think there's one or the other, but um, I definitely think that it's the, the onus is on Emma and the staff to to ensure a great environment where the players want to stay back because at the end of the day, you can you can chase them all you want, but it's their call. So I, I would go that approach. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think the good thing about just going back to the if Paris signing is we finally have a French player in the squad. So now if Ev has fun and does well, then she can... Agent Ev. Yeah, Agent Ev and go to the other French players and then ask them, hey... You should kind of come to Chelsea, and then maybe you know what? Maybe Diani right. comes. Rather, maybe we're getting Baltimore. Your Diani dream comes true. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore, Diani, Basha, uh, maybe Kachawi, Basha, Kachawi. Everyone just kind of comes through, and you know, enjoy enjoy a bit of a uh, bit of Chelsea. So there is that. But I think that is pretty much everything for today. Chelsea fans, hope you had fun listening to this episode. Uh, we will be back with more content as soon as the Euros is over. And we're back to talking about the season, the WSL, new signings. Hopefully there are more. And Emma Hayes hasn't just played me for a fool for that one night. Um, but otherwise, other than that, uh, keep the blue flag flying high. And, uh, you know, thanks, Jesse. And thanks, Radha, for coming on and giving us your, your voice. All right. See you guys. Bye.